All right, Dan Henry, welcome to Thinking Bigger with Kevin Feely. Thanks so much for showing up. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. How you doing? Doing really well, man. So you're in Costa Rica right now, right? I am in Costa Rica. Yes, I have a, I have a, well, I have a couple places here, but I'm at my uh, 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 condo in Escazú, which is, uh, uh, they call it the Beverly Hills of Costa Rica. It's not quite Beverly Hills, but for here it is. <laughs> a lot of hills, right? How's the weather this time of year down there? Well, the weather in Costa Rica is always the same every day of the year. Perfect. Uh, it reminds me of October air in Florida, just really crisp and clean and um, just really, really nice. You know, there's never a, not a nice day in Costa Rica. Amazing. Yeah, that's why I moved from Boston to San Diego, because I like the uh, the consistency here. You know, I'm done with the winters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there's no winter here. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, Dan Henry, uh, for the people that don't know you, tell uh, tell people a little bit about your story and uh, who Dan Henry is. Ooh, how many stories could I tell? Um, well, I uh, I grew up uh, in a small town in Florida, and I delivered pizza for seven years. Uh, one day, I got sick of delivering pizza, so I answered an ad in Craigslist and got a job as a pitchman. For the same company where Billy Mays, you know, the, the OxyClean guy, got his start. And my sales manager was actually Billy Mays' sales manager at one point. And I learned how to sell like pots and pans and Ginsu knives at department stores. And that was my first real introduction into sales. Um, and I remember, you know, the first time I got up uh, on the on the podium or whatever it was, the the little event thing that they made where I would do this little cooking show and then I would ask these people in front of me at Sam's Club or Costco or whatever to buy this outrageously overpriced cookware set. <laughs> and I remember I was super nervous and I was sweating. And my sales manager, he, he pulls me aside and he says, listen, we spent a lot of time and like millions of dollars developing the words on this page, developing this script. If you just read these words, these people will give you money. I'm like, okay. So I get up there, I read the words on the page and lo and behold, uh, people gave me money. And I made like a thousand, thousand or $1,500 in commissions uh, that, that day. But then, you know, I got sick of traveling because it was a traveling gig and I got a different job. But over the years, I perfected and mastered and continue to study the art of sales um, and eventually created a company uh, over at getclients.com. We did $30 million before I retired from coaching. Um, and now we we train, uh, we train consultants, coaches, online entrepreneurs, uh, agencies on how to sell more, as well as we run sales teams uh, for those companies. And you know, it, this whole experience for me really made me realize one very simple thing is that if you know what to say and how to say it, uh, the world is your oyster, you know? So I like teaching people what to say and how to say it so that they can take control of their life like I did mine. That's amazing. The The first time you came across my radar was you running a running some ads for a webinar and um you know you you had this really big push and then you know it's kind of funny because now knowing about your background uh doing the you know doing the the public sales you were basically running a webinar before yeah pretty much yeah it was that's exactly what it was yeah, yeah that's so cool yeah and and the the scripting you know when we hire salespeople 
And salespeople typically want to kind of go off and say their own thing. And we bring them back like, no, the script works. We have, you know, I mean, not that we're not open to change, but scripting is so, so, so important. I, I think it gives you, a. I think sales scripts give you a baseline, but when you teach the rep or you teach the person why the script works, they can then go off script because yeah. sometimes, sometimes people will just, they'll answer all your questions and you can skip to another part of the process. You know, um, like I talk about in my book, the pocket guide to high ticket selling. I have a 12 part script uh, in that book. It's, it's generated $30 million for my company over the phone. And it's helped um, over a hundred people that we've taught it to uh, hit seven figures in their business. It's a solid, solid script. But even in, in that book, I say, listen, if, you ask a question and the prospect just blurts out the answers to the next four questions, just skip them. You have the information you need and move to the next stage. And so uh, really making people understand why they're doing what they're doing is, is paramount to creating uh, somebody who's a rock star at sales. Amazing. Now sales, I feel like if you can, if you can learn to sell and you can sell consistently, um, sales will completely change your life. Now, how did sales change your life? I mean, obviously you were delivering pizzas before you made, you went into sales and all of a sudden it, it looks like that opened up your whole world as it did for me. Tell me a little bit about how important sales is. And maybe if somebody is stuck at that sort of remedial job level and they want to make more money, how can they get into sales? Well, I'll tell you a little story. Something happened over the holiday break that'll perfectly illustrate this. Um, I went over to my father's house for Christmas and a buddy of mine who uh, is like one of my best friends I've known him for years. He comes over with his son who his son's like I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And his son uh, who, you know, he sees me online and stuff. He says, I want to ask you all these questions. You know, how do you get rich and all this stuff? And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll answer all your questions. And uh, so at one point, um, he's like, you know, how do I make money? I'm like, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask your dad right now, what's the one thing around the house that he does not want to do? Well, like, go ask him what the number one thing he does not want to do, and then offer him $20 to do it. And so he goes up to his dad and he says, what's the number one thing you don't want to do around the house? He's like, I don't want to mow the grass. He's like, I'll mow the grass for 20 bucks, which is like far less than what, you know, a company would, would, would pay. And so he's like, well, I got to, I got to get a lawnmower. And so the kid comes back and he says, uh, why well, I couldn't make the sale because we don't have a lawnmower. And I said, I'll tell you what, give me $5 and I'll close your dad for you. If you, if I can close your dad for $20, will you give me five? And he says, yeah. And I says, okay. And so I go, go to, I go to his dad and I say, listen, you know, you should, you should pay him $20 to, to mow the grass. And he says, well, I don't have a lawnmower. He says, well, are you going to, I said, well, are you going to get a lawnmower? He says, yeah, I'm going to get one in a couple of weeks. I'm like, so you're going to get a lawnmower anyway, correct? And he's like, yes. I'm like, so then if you have him mow your lawn and you're going to get a lawnmower anyway, why not just go ahead and do the deal, <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, you know, I mean, he, he broke something around the house. He owes me money anyway. I said, listen, this is not about getting your lawn mowed. This is not about any about that. This is about teaching your son something that could serve him for the rest of his life. If he can understand this concept, this could serve him for the rest of his life. So do you, do you really want your lawn mowed or do you want your kid to learn something that 
could really change his life. And he's like, oh, you're right. Okay. So, he, so he does it. Right. So he says, all right. He shakes his son's hand. He says, wow. And his son looks at me and goes, how did you do that? Like, where did you learn that? You know, just the way I was talking to him. And I said, that'll be $5. <laughs> but I said, I, I said, here's the lesson you should, I said, what lesson did you learn from this? And he says, well, I learned that, you know, I can mow the lawn for $20. And if I find something my dad doesn't want to do, I can charge $20 for it. And I said, no, I said, the lesson here is that I made 25% of your entire wages. You have to go mow a lawn. You have to get sweaty. You have to get dirty. And I basically did nothing. I just talked for five minutes and I get 25%. And if you can learn to do that, you can make a lot of money doing very little work. And he's like, so that right there is the thing is, is, you know, people think that hard work means you're going to make a lot of money, that hard work equals success. It doesn't. Okay. The, what you do, the, the ability of uh, or how much value you provide, the, your ability to get the result, that's what matters. And so if you just know how to say words, even if it only takes a few minutes that produce a major result like that, then you deserve that money. And the greatest way to make a lot of that money without having to really do much is sales. And of course, even if you are doing it, if it's your own company, then you make even more. Uh, but what I would say is for somebody looking to get into sales, I would look for companies that have high margin, high profit products. Uh, you know, in, in my industry, it's, it's, it's masterminds, it's coaching, it's consulting things that if I sell you a $10,000 product, like 9,000 of it is, is profit kind of thing. And the reason you want to look for that is so that you can get paid a big commission. If you sell a $40,000 vehicle, but the dealership's only making two grand, what do you think the rep's going to make? Like nothing, like, you know, a few hundred dollars. But if you sell a $40,000 mastermind and you, I mean, like you could pay like four grand, 10% of that uh, is, you know, is four grand. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that's what you need to look for. You need to look for high value, high profit. Uh, and, and most business owners that sell these type of things, they don't, they don't know how to sell. So if you know how to sell, you can, you can do really, really well with that. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think that one thing that people don't understand, like you said, hard work does not necessarily mean money. Actually, usually hard work means you're capped by the time that you're putting in. You know, I remember I used to think that my life was destined to go work a remedial job make decent money, you know, climb up the chain, maybe get to 60, 70,000 a year by the time I retire and, and, you know, whatever. Right. Cause that's what I saw my family do. But when I got my first sales job, I realized, holy crap, if I provide value, like you had said, you know, if I go cut this guy's lawn, he doesn't want to do that. So I'm solving the problem of, he doesn't want to spend his time cutting the lawn. He's willing to pay me. And now if I can get somebody to sell that for me, I make that money. That person makes money because they provided me value and it, and that's how the whole market works. So the market will pay you what you're worth, but you have to be able to negotiate as well. And that's why sales is so critical. Now I want to talk about the power of a personal brand. You have a great personal brand. People buy products from you a lot of the times because they know you. And then also because you're great at sales, but 
because you could go sell to people that you don't know because you have the sales skills, but having the personal brand has to help a lot. Tell me about that. Man, I'm going to be 100% real with you. I don't know shit about building a personal brand. I never tried to build a personal brand. I've never taken a branding class. I've never done any of that. I have always focused on just, hey, do you have this problem? Here's how I can solve this problem. That'll be X dollars. And that's all I focused on. And the personal brand just kind of, you know, developed naturally from that. I mean, yeah, I have my style. I have my personality, but I never intentionally did that. And I, I do know a lot of entrepreneurs who like literally sat down and wrote down, okay, this is my avatar and this is this and this is that. And they like act in accordance uh, with that all the time. But for me, what you see is what you get. You know, I, I never really tried to, do, to create a personal brand, but I will tell you that I definitely have developed a personal brand. Um, and when I, whenever I do like affiliate contests or whenever I do mailings, I have an absurdly high conversion rate. And I think it's because, you know, my people buy and it's because that's all I've ever done is so I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm going to sell you something. I, I'm not going to BS you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything's free. I'm going to sell you something. And the reason I'm going to sell it to you is because for what I'm asking for it, you're going to get this much in return. I, I know that you need it because if you didn't need it, you wouldn't be in my ecosystem in the first place. And I have always been by the opinion that if you have something great and you know it's great and you know it will completely change your customers' lives, then it is your duty to do everything you can in your power to sell it to them. And that's why I have always, I, I, you know, I stopped selling those um, pots and pans years ago, not just because I didn't like traveling, but because I didn't think the product was that good. And so I've made it a personal, you know, a personal rule to always sell an amazing product and work to make that product better and better and better. Because when you sell a great product, sales becomes far easier than when you sell a crappy product. So why make right. things harder on yourself? Just make a good product. Right. You know? So I'm always trying to sell something to everybody. If you contact me, I'm going to try to sell you something, okay? I mean, if you have a problem I can solve, I will try to sell you something. And I think my my audience is used to that and they love it. And, you know, um, I think one time I did a, a, a webinar or something. I didn't pitch anything. I was just doing it for fun. And people were like, where's the pitch? What do we buy? Yeah. Sell me something. I was like, okay, I see how you guys are. So, so I think honestly, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different for everybody. You know, I, I I was at Grant Cardone's office and he was talking about how years ago, all these social media experts told him that everything he was doing online was wrong because all he was doing was pitching. And he's like, yeah, I'm because I have a great product. And they all said that what he was doing was wrong, but now he's like the biggest social media star, at least in our space. So yeah. it just goes to show you that you can't just listen to all the fly-by-night experts and coaches. Sometimes you just got to do what you believe in and, and that brand will develop from there. Yeah, I think intuition is really important. Now, you had mentioned Grant Cardone. I know that Grant invited you to his private mastermind, um, which you said was kind of a shock, but tell me about that, what you learned from it and you know the whole experience. Yeah, it was a shock to me when uh, Grant invited me because, you know, it was free. Like he literally invited uh, like 50 of the world's best online marketers. Uh, and he, dude, I mean, he taught us all kinds of stuff. He he let us meet with 
all the department heads at his company. Uh, he took us on private helicopter trips. I got to ride his helicopter all around. He waved to me from his freaking beach mansion, um, took us on a yacht, like a hundred million dollar yacht, fed us. I mean, he probably spent a million or two on that event. Um, I mean, he really like wined and dined us and, and it was, it was like, it was a whole thing, you know, and to have been asked to be a part, I mean, imagine that the only billionaire in your industry says, Hey, I think you're one of the top 50 in our entire space. Come and let me like spend all this money on you. I was flattered. You know, I, I mean, I, I know I'm good, you know, but I, but that's really good, you know? So it was very, it was, I was honored to be in that room. And of course I saw all my friends there, you know, Anthony and Adrian Morrison, um, Cody Sperber, you know, I, I got, I, I got to, you know, hang out with all my friends that were at, we all speak at the same events. So, but, but it was really, really, really cool. And um, I'm actually uh, of those people a small percentage of us, uh, he decided to partner with, uh, for an event in January. And I was one of those people. So you'll see some stuff wow. on my socials about that. Yeah. Great work, man. Now imagine if you hadn't taken the risks that you took to get to the point where you are in your life. Like imagine, cause a lot of people stay in the comfort zone of getting their bills paid, even if it's barely, or, or they're struggling every month, you know? So you took a risk to get to that, this point and to people like you, I, and, and I think I've always looked at it like it's a risk to stay there, right? It's a risk to stay in that spot and not go seek something bigger. But if you were to give advice to somebody who, again, is working a normal job, but they want better things, what's your advice to somebody to go after it, go get it? Yes. Yeah, so this is, this is the advice. If you are working at a normal job, or even if you're an entrepreneur and you're not making the money you want to make. You have to understand a very simple equation. It's called value of risk. Um, I was in Aruba for New Year's and I went on this ATV tour. The tour operator, the ATV tour was great. It was fantastic, had a great time. But at the end, the tour guide, he says, uh, hey, you know, we accept tips if you want to tip us. Uh, that's how we get paid. My boss, he just sits in his chair and does nothing and, and collects a check. Uh, we do all the work. And this right here is a fundamental belief that most people have, and it keeps them poor. They believe that their hard work is responsible for the company's revenue. It's responsible for the company's success. And the truth is he, that guy's expendable that the owner of that company could find another dude to do exactly what he did. He's a dime a dozen. And, and so his value is not much. It, it doesn't matter how hard he's working. And I know that doesn't sound popular, but it doesn't matter how hard you work for a company. That's not what is valuable to a company. You see, what's valuable is risk because the owner of that company, he spent millions of dollars. They probably had 100 ATVs. He spent millions of dollars on that licensing, insurance, uh, dealing with the Arubian government, just so much risk. That employee is only risking eight hours of his day and some sweat. That's it. And what actually gets you a return in life is not hard work. It's risk. So the employee, I don't care how hard he works, he's only risking this much. But the entrepreneur risks this much. And so that is why he is allowed and he is more than deserving to sit on his butt 
do nothing now and collect that check, not because he worked hard, but because he was willing to risk. And one, one thought exercise you can do is you can hold your arm out. And when you hold your arm out, imagine that somebody flips a coin. And if they land on heads, you get a million dollars. If they land on tails, they chop your arm off. Most people would not take that bet because they don't want to lose their arm. But successful people, they take that bet every day. The, the beauty of this, though, is when you invest your money into in, – when, when you risk your money, you're risking something that can grow back. Your arm can't grow back. And so my – this is my God's honest advice. Risk. Take some money and instead of spending it on that next vacation, instead of spending it on this, instead of spending it on that, invest it into learning something, learning a skill. Uh, for me, sales. I've spent over $500,000 learning sales and marketing, and it's produced $30 million for me. You know, I risked hundreds of thousands of dollars. My rep, you know how, how hard it is to get out there on social media and say, I know this thing. This is the way it is. Da, 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 da. And people every day, people tell me I suck. People tell me I'm horrible. I still get the, you know, oh, you're a scammer, this and that. And then, you know, obviously there's the people that love me. But the truth is, is that if, if nobody hates you, then you ain't doing jack. You're not doing nothing if nobody hates you. So the biggest thing is you have to risk. You have to risk your time. You have to risk your reputation and you have to risk your money. If you're not risking those three things on a large scale, then the reward is going to be small. If you go to a casino and you bet a million dollars, what's the reward? It's a million dollars. That's a big reward. But if you bet five bucks, what's the reward? Five bucks. But you're only risking five bucks where if you want to win a million, you have to risk a million. And so the more you risk, the more the reward is. So the biggest thing is to get over not wanting to risk. Everybody says, well, how can I make money without risk? You can't. You have to mentally get over the fact that, hey, this, I need to risk this. So that would be my, my, my advice from a, a, a mental level is to accept risk. And the more that you can accept risk uh, and accept when you lose that, that money, when you lose that time, the faster you will become successful. That's a great answer. And I think that people, you know, I hear from people all the time that'll message me. They say, hey, I have $5,000 saved up. How do I invest it? What stock should I buy? What, you know, and I always say, slow down. You know, even if I could tell you the magic stock, you don't have the skills to know what's like, how to identify when something changes. You don't have the skills. So first identify what you want and then go find the skills that will get you there. And if you don't know what skills are, Find somebody that is where you want to go, figure out what they did and try to follow that blueprint. Because if you follow, you know, everybody's following a blueprint, you know, most people like the guy on the ATV tours in Aruba, he's following a blueprint, but it's a minimal risk blueprint. And like you said, you have to take that risk. You have to be willing to, you know, risk it all. But I also think that risk is, uh, you know, especially if you're young, you have time to take L's. You know, you, you have time to take losses and anytime you take a loss, you're learning, right? I don't think that a loss is ever a negative thing. You either figure something out that works or you figure something out that doesn't work. And then you don't make that same mistake again, if you're smart. So yep. anyways, poor, thank you, poor people, poor people think that hard work and time is what makes them valuable. Rich people understand that risk is what makes them valuable. Right. And that's why 
poor people will always be poor because they always try to get rich doing the same thing. Hard work, time, grinding, whereas a rich person knows, hey, I can do all that. But once you introduce risk, the equation changes, and that's what creates massive wealth. Yeah, amazing. I'm curious, Dan, what kind of student were you in high school and middle school? <laughs> uh, man, I was a terrible student. Okay. Um, I would literally, well, because <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I was such a, a terrible example because what I would do is I would go in and I would uh, pretty much just like read the whole book ahead of time, um, learn everything I learned needed to learn. And then I would sleep in class the rest of the time. And they would, my teachers would always get on me for sleeping. But then when test time came, I like maintained a 4.1 GPA. And so they couldn't really say anything. And it, it's because, you know, I, I knew, and maybe this was just a gift I had, but I knew that um, the way they were teaching it was not good. It, in most United, in most schools in the United States, are they have the work? I, I don't want to like get bashed by teachers, but they're bad. They're not good, and it's not their fault. They don't have the training. You know, I mean, there are some some teachers who are extraordinarily good, but they did not get that training from the educational system. They got that from outside of that. You know, and so most of my teachers were bad at teaching. And so I found that it was better if I just taught myself reading the book. And then when I went to high school, um, I actually didn't go to high school. I enrolled in this thing called American school where they mailed you your books out and you would read the books and then they'd mail you a test. And after uh, you know middle school and elementary school, I was so sick of how teachers were trying to teach me I didn't think it worked. So I went with that and I finished high school in a year by just reading the books and testing out. And that's why, you know, like I'll never encourage my son to go to college because I just, I, I believe it's, it's an inferior form of education. You know, like you could read all these college books that by the time they actually make it to your desk in college, they're, they're, uh, they're outdated. Or you could read books written by billionaires and you could learn a lot more. That's incredible. That's you know what? I, I It's funny that you said that about college because, um, you know, I sat down with Billy Jean is marketing a couple of weeks ago. His office is like right down the street and I've gotten to oh, know cool. him. And he uh, when we shot the podcast, we shot it in his studio. And I asked him one question about, you know, what do you think of college? And he had a really great response, which was, I actually think college is a good idea in the concept. But the problem is what they're learning is ridiculous. You it know, is. you're going and you're learning how to go out in the workforce and make money from somebody who has spent their time teaching people and not actually learning. Now, what the point that he was driving was. If you invest in skills, right, in hyper-focused skills, like taking a course from Dan Henry, like learning from Grant Cardone, and anybody that can teach you a specialized skill because they've done it, that is 10 times more powerful than college. But what he meant, and the thing that I took away from it, was always be learning, right? People bash college, but it's not learning that they're bashing. It's college. It's the waste of time, right? Um, yeah. So I'm glad that you kind of had, but you know why that is, do, do you why? know the actual reason why it's because, um, John D Rockefeller, he founded and funded the general board of education, which, you know, makes the rules for how all these schools and how all this is run. 
And Rockefeller said, I am not in the business of creating a nation of thinkers, of entrepreneurs, uh, of artists. I'm in the business of creating a nation of workers. So when you go to school, you are literally going to a worker camp. You're going there to learn how to be an employee, how to be a little worker bee. And that's why most people aren't, not only are they not entrepreneurs, but most people do not have the mindset or the perception that, that is needed to be successful because from an early age, they're taught to be unsuccessful on purpose to maintain the infrastructure of this country. Yep. And so that's why people will say, that's a pipe dream. Get a real job. Play it safe. Where do you think these phrases came from? They didn't just come out of nowhere. They're designed to keep the majority of people poor and as workers so that the entire economy doesn't collapse. And it's only the people that go, no, screw that. I want more that they go and they learn more and they learn what they need to do to become successful. And they sure as hell don't learn it in college. Yeah. Well, the reason why I asked you the question about, you know, how you were as a student is because I noticed one thing about entrepreneurs risk takers, mm. obviously, but they almost always go against the grain, right? They see the bigger <laughs> picture, you know? So like in school, I remember always thinking, man, my life is going to suck because this does not make sense to me. This whole thing seems like, you know, like the pledge of allegiance in the morning, the, like all of the little things that go through down to the bell, down to raising your hand to go to the bathroom. It just all seemed like it, I just knew instinctively that something was not right. Yeah, I mean, raise your hand to go to the bathroom. Like you, you have to pee. You have to make a bodily freaking movement. And you're supposed to raise your hand, wait for the teacher to tell you it's okay. And if she doesn't, you can't go. That right there teaches you to be subservient. It teaches you to be a slave. And that is why most people, when they grow up to be adults, they're slaves to the nine to five, because that among many other little exercises they do in school or in what I like to call indoctrination camps, are used to modify and mold your behavior to be a nine to five worker so that you will support the system instead of overcoming and rising above the system. So that, I mean, that's, that's, I, I totally, uh, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it, it's funny because I, I, I started a major in college in psychology. Uh, and when I went, I learned that there were five different schools of thought and they all disagreed with each other. And I remember one day I raised my hand in class and I said, can I ask you a question to the professor? He says, yeah. I said, so what you're telling me is I can't, we, we came here to learn psychology, but what you're telling me is, is that none of you guys who are teaching us psychology can even agree on what rights and what's wrong so much so that you have five different disciplines that completely disagree with each other. And he's like, well, yes. And I'm like, okay. And I got up and I walked out of class and I changed, I left and I changed my major and I never went back. I am not going to spend four years of my life learning from a bunch of people who can't even make up their minds on what is and what isn't. And as we see today, uh, psychology today has, has been so changed and molded that nobody even knows what's going on at all. We can't even define what things are anymore. And it's just, it's just, it's a mess. So I changed it to audio engineering. 
<laughs> didn't do, didn't make any money with that. And then I decided to be an entrepreneur, learn sales. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, the, the going against the grain thing, I think is really important. Now, one thing that people don't realize, and I watched a video of you talking about this, and this is one of my favorite topics is the people that you spend your time around usually end up being what you're like. So if you're hanging out with five Dan Henry's, well, guess what? You're going to be like Dan Henry. If you're hanging out with five people who are smoking cigarettes and drinking beer outside of a gas station at two in the morning, guess what you're going to be like? Can you elaborate on that? And uh, tell me the tough truth of why people's friends are kind of kind of bringing them down. Yeah, man. I mean, think about this. If you grow up and you have a group of friends, chances are that not many people in that friend group are going to be uh, have ambition. Not many people in your friend group are going to have ambition. Uh, and so if you happen to be the one that does have ambition, that does have drive, you're now the smartest person in the room. And you don't learn anything if you're the smartest person in the room. And one thing that a lot of people struggle with is getting rid of friends that are dead weight, getting rid of friends that are not good for them, that are toxic. And it's because of what I like to call the event. The event is a specific situation that happened where you had a bad time. You had a traumatic situation happen in your life. You were down, you were doing rough times and your friend was there for you. And because they were there for you, you now, no matter what they do, no matter how much toxic energy they bring in your life, you keep them as a friend. And the truth is what most people don't realize is the very bare minimum standard of a friend is to be there for you when you're in tough times. And so that doesn't make you a good friend. It just makes you a friend. And so if somebody's there for you during tough times, but then they discourage you from uh, achieving your dreams, they tell you they, that you should go out and drink with them instead of study or, or work on your business, whatever. I say cut them. And most people, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you the amount of times that um, I had a girlfriend once who she had this little group of girlfriends who were just very toxic, alcoholic, just not good people. And, you know, she would get very angry every time I said, you know, maybe you shouldn't hang out with me. Like, hey, why don't we hang out with these women over here who like own companies and own businesses? And she got very angry because she's like, well, they were there for me seven years ago when this thing happened. And I'm like, so what? Like, so is everybody that's a friend, you know? Yeah. And I just think that a lot of people don't realize that you know, a, a friend is a friend who consistently over large periods of time uh, are there for you and encourage you and, and don't drag you down, but lift you up. Or if you're lifting yourself up and you reach your hand down to grab them, they don't pull you down. They allow you to pull them up because if they're not doing that, they got to go. You know, like, like, like I said, you're, you are the average of your top five friends. So if you're hanging out with people, and look, this is the truth. If you're hanging out with people that aren't trying to improve themselves and you are, your growth will be stunted. So you either got to drop them or you got to say the next 20 years of my life, I'm going to give up on it and I'm going to make it a lot less possible to succeed for my friends. If your friends are that important to you, then that's fine. The world needs ditch diggers too. You know, but at the end of the day, you got to cut people. You have to cut people if you want to be successful. And to add to that, I mean, that's... Uh just the, it's, it's a painful truth for most people, but I think with the whole, they were there for me. It, if your friend is truly a friend and there is unconditional love there, right? 
they will understand that you guys are going off on a different path. I think that everybody that's improved in their life has had at least one friend that they can still stay in touch. But j just because I don't spend my time with you all the time, like before, doesn't mean there's not love there, right? We had a great friendship. We got a great relationship. There's value in one way or another. I got to go do my thing. You're not on this train. We're still cool. Love you, man. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta spend my time somewhere else. Doesn't mean when I show back up to town or something that we can't hang out. It doesn't mean that we can't go grab lunch, but I am not fucking with you on the level of day-to-day -day tasks because it's going to bring me down. And if they are a good friend, I truly believe that they'll understand that and they'll rock with you and they'll wish you the best and they want you to do well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but that's why most of my friends, they're into marketing and sales because I'm always, you know, uh, I, I teach sales, you know, I, I help entrepreneurs every day with sales. And so um, I like to be around other people who are trying to sell more and trying to improve their sales because that's just the group I like to be in. So tell me about closeddeals.com and your daily sales huddles. Yeah, so we have, uh, we realized, I, I realized this a long time ago, that knowledge is nothing without execution. And most entrepreneurs that are trying to grow their business, they are, they know things, right? But they don't, they don't do them and they don't do them consistently. Um, there is a, there is a, a movie called uh, uh, Facing the Giants. And there's a scene in it where the coach puts, uh, makes a player, put another player on his back and walk the field. And he's like, how far do you think that you can walk? you know, on your hands and knees. He says, all like the 10 yard line. And so he puts a blindfold on him and he says, keep walking. I'll tell you when to stop. And so the kid is walking with this other player on his back and he's sweating and he's, his face is red and he's freaking out. And he's like, I can't go anymore. I can't get anymore. He's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And he's pushing him and he's driving him. And eventually he tells him to stop. And when he takes the blindfold off, he's at the, he's the end zone. He's at the, he literally walked the, the length of the field. And this illustrates that you can't push yourself as hard as a mentor can push you because they can see the whole picture. They can see the whole field. You're only seeing the line in front of your face. You don't have the viewpoint. And so one thing that I've seen with entrepreneurs and, and, and coaches and agency owners and, and people like that is they'll go learn sales, but they don't drill it. They don't practice it. You know, a, a professional boxer who's going for a championship, he doesn't learn boxing and then go sit at home. He drills boxing and he practices it every day. So what we did was we developed uh, something called the daily sales huddle. And what we do is every single day we have a meeting, whether you do your own sales calls, or you have a sales team. We can take over management of your sales team as well. And we train you or your reps every single day. There's a one hour meeting, a one hour huddle every single day. We meet with them. We train them. Hey, what did you say to this last client? Uh, wh what did they say when they had this objection? We train them on what they could have said instead so that they know the words and they know how to say them. We drill them on how to say them. We hold them accountable uh, to their sales goals. And we manage them so that they can increase sales uh, over time. Uh, most of the clients we work with, we've doubled their close rate or their salespeople's close rate in the first 30 days. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't have these daily meetings 
with their sales team. They may have one a week or they don't have them at all. We train them every day. Or if you're a solo seller, meaning you sell your own stuff, um, we train you every day. And with that massive amount of accountability, support, and training. It's not like a course. It's not like a coaching program. It's literally, we're managing your sales process every single day. And, and uh, it's just massively increased sales for our clients because there's really no one else out there that offers that type of support. Plus we don't take a percentage of sales, even for the sales teams that we manage, we do a flat rate. Nice. And so, yeah. And for entrepreneurs, this is great because if you have salespeople, you know, you may be good at what you do right? You may be really good at what you do, but that doesn't mean you're good at managing and training salespeople. It's a completely different skill set. And nor should you be, you know, nor should you be, you know, good entrepreneur, great entrepreneurs don't know cool stuff. They know how to leverage people that know cool stuff. And so what we do is we go and we manage your sales team for you. You don't even have to talk to them if you don't want to. Um, and it lets the entrepreneur do what they need to do to grow the business and not get bogged down managing their salespeople, hyping them up. Um, to, to put it simply, um, have you ever seen a, a game, a football game, where the one team is losing? They're losing bad. They go in the back during halftime. They come back out and they make a comeback and they win the game. And then after the game, the reporter's talking to the quarterback and says, what happened? Like, how did you guys make that comeback? And the quarterback says, well, it was really the game winning speech the coach gave in the back at <laughs> halftime. They, he said what we needed to hear so we could do what we needed to do. And I always say, imagine you had that game winning speech for your salespeople or for you each and every day. What would that do for your sales? So that's what we do. And that's all we do. And that is how we uh, massively increase sales for uh, companies who sell high-end products. That's amazing. And yeah, if anybody's thinking about this, if you have a business with salespeople, um, I would highly vouch for Dan. I know he knows how to sell. I bought a lot of stuff from him in the past. And, um, you know, Dan, Dan is a good dude too. And, and when he says he's going to do something, he does. So definitely check out Dan at closedeals.com. And I think that a lot of people don't realize when they have a functional business, when they're making money, they forget that they can optimize that. So if somebody has a sales team and they're making decent money, you could literally bring somebody in like Dan, optimize your conversion ratios, track KPIs, which most people aren't doing. And you guys do that. Yeah, We, we teach him. Uh, that's actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a big thing when we take over a sales team, or even if we're just dealing with. Uh, an entrepreneur doing their own sales calls, uh, they they generally don't track anything. So we give them our tracking system. They don't measure their KPIs. We teach them how to do that. We hold them accountable to it every day. Uh, we work with them on follow-up. We work with them on prospecting, everything they need to increase sales. And you would be surprised the massive amount of um, room for improvement that these companies have. We have one client, There's on our website, there's an interview we did with them. His name's Xander and they have a company where they they teach sales to coaches, uh, and we took over a sales team so that they could focus on growing the company. And um, one of the people we placed in his company became the 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 top sales rep in the in the first month. Um, because again, when you're an entrepreneur, you have so many things to work on. You have so many things to deal with. You have so many responsibilities. We we focus on one core thing, and that's sales, and it's the thing that moves the needle the most. And so we allow entrepreneurs the freedom to be entrepreneurs. 
and not be managers, not be sales trainers. We do that for them. So uh, yeah, if you go to closedeals.com, you can you can check out more about that. And we're real, um, we're small and boutique. You know, uh, we 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 grow slow. I don't I don't want to be one of these companies that scales too fast and our, our service sucks. We're you know I already made my money at my other company. I'm growing this one slow. Um, slow and steady. So if, if you are, uh, if you take daily sales calls, or if you have a sales team, and you're not making as many sales as you think you could, we'd love to have a chat with you, uh, talk to you, look at your sales process and see if we can improve it. Yeah. And guys, you can go to closeddeals.com, watch the video where Dan explains basically what he explained here. And then below that, there should be a link to book a call. Am I right? Yes. There's okay. always always a link to book a call. <laughs> Definitely book that call, learn more about it. And or you can just, hit me up on Instagram at Dan Henry. I'm, I'm always on my Instagram. So yeah. Yeah. And just to be clear, Dan did not pay me to say any of this. Dan didn't even know I was going to promote this, but I, I believe in Dan and I want my uh, viewers and listeners to do better. So go to closeddeals.com, get set up with Dan. And Dan, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the podcast if you could leave our viewers and listeners with one last positive message, what would you say? Here's what I would say. I would say that, well, can I leave them with some advice? Please. Yeah. So I would say this. Um, if you're dealing with people who are unsure about your product or they give you an objection, don't get discouraged. Don't think that they hate you. Don't think that your product sucks. Don't think that you suck. You're just not saying the right stuff. That's it. It's as simple as that. Uh, to give you an example, if somebody says, hey, I've bought products like this in the past. I haven't got the results I've wanted. What makes your product any different? A lot of people would say something like, well, I've been in business this many years. I have all these testimonials. This is great because of this or that. And that's the worst thing you can say. What you should say is, hey, I understand that you've bought products like this in the past before and you haven't got the results that you've been looking for. Let me ask you, can you give me an example of what happened when you bought a previous product and why you had a subpar experience? Because what's actually happening here is they're not, they don't, they're not actually thinking of what they're saying. They're thinking of a specific traumatic event that happened when they bought a product like yours in the past. And if you can find out what that was, you can directly address that. You can say, oh, well, we don't do that. Or, oh, here's how that would go down if that happened with our company. And you can address that. And when you address that, you come to the real objection and you can move on to the next objection. Hey, is that your only objection? Or do you have any other questions or concerns? Until eventually you get to the sale. Um, I actually have an audio lesson. If you uh, if you message me the word objection on Instagram at Dan Henry, my little chatbot thing will automatically send you a audio lesson that goes deeper into this, um, and it'll it'll show you how to how to talk to customers who have objections like that. But the the the, the reason why I'm saying this is because. Most people get discouraged. They think that their customers suck, that they're tire kickers. They think that they suck. Their product sucks. Nobody's interested in them. And that's just not true. You just don't know what to say. And if you can learn what to say, you can change everything. So don't get discouraged. Just learn and know what to say. And when you know those words and you can use those words, you can make the world your oyster. Amazing. Dan, thank you so much. Again, everybody go follow Dan, Dan Henry on Instagram and uh, closeddeals.com. Dan, thank you so much. We're going to have to do a round two sometime. Uh, yeah, man. And I really appreciate you showing up.
Awesome, man. Thank you.